Welcome to episode 47 of Coffee and Tea with Dustin. Uh, today I will be reading from a book called Super Joints, Russian Longevity Secrets for Pain-Free Movement, Maximum Mobility, and Flexible Strength by Pavel Satsalin, Master of Sports. So, first I'll read from the foreword. Uh, and this book came out in 2001. Who Needs Super Joints? And I'm just going to go and read the uh, first line, and then he follows with a paragraph, and he elaborates, but I'm just going to give you the first line. So who needs super joints? Anyone who wants to decrease the odds of injuries. Any athlete who wants to perform better. Any older person whose joints are losing their mobility due to calcium deposits and inactivity. Any young athlete. Any person who wants to improve his or her posture. Any martial artist, dancer, rock climber, commando, anyone who has to lift their legs high. Any practitioner of relax and to stretch techniques who wants to improve his or her passive flexibility even more. And relax and to stretch is the title of another book that Pavel has written. All right. So, super joints, part one, joint health and mobility. There are about 100 joints in your body. Here is how to keep them running smoothly. How mobility drills can save your joints and prevent or reduce arthritis. Years in mileage pile calcium deposits on your joints and promote connective tissue growth in all the wrong places. Your youthful, well-oiled hinges come to a grinding halt. Is your gig up? Not yet, comrade. Help is on the way. Enter Academician Amasov's Joint Mobility Regimen. In Russia and his native Ukraine, Nikolai Amasov is a public figure with a stature of Arnold Schwarzenegger, boasts in this country. You may be surprised to find out that the number one Russian exercise icon is not a 300-pound weightlifter or wrestler, but an octogenarian surgeon with the, with the wiry physique of a Bruce Lee and the ascetic, fat-free face of a Jacques Cousteau. Until recently, academician Amosov ran a schedule that would kill a 25-year-old yuppie, not to mention a horse. In his late 70s and early 80s, he performed two open-heart surgeries a day, an average of 11 hours, wearing out two support crews, a quarter to a half his age, along the way. In his spare time, Amazov ran the Kiev Cardiovascular Surgery Institute of the Ukrainian Academy of Sciences, managed the famous Biocybernetics Department of the Ukrainian Academy of Sciences, Cybernetics Institute, and religiously followed and still follows his exercise regimen. Amosov had not always been a human dynamo. The fitness superstar started out as a retired Red Army Lieutenant Colonel in his late 50s, with the World War II behind him, a spare tire in the front, and an assortment of diseases. The turning point was the day when Amosov formulated and put to practice his now famous Theory of Limit Loads, which I will cover in detail in my upcoming book on Russian natural health practices. 
One of the cornerstones of the theory is the belief that the human organism has a great ability to regenerate itself. Use intense use is the key. I will not beat around the bush, but cut to the chase. Amazov's daily complex of joint mobility exercises. While still lying in bed on your back, hold onto the headboard, raise your legs and bring them behind your head. So hopefully your knees touch your forehead. If you choose to do the drill on the floor, you may press down into the floor with your palms positioned by your hips or hold on to some stationary object above your head. Keep your legs reasonably straight. Try to touch the floor behind your head with your feet as long as you do not load your neck. Keep your weight on your shoulders and upper back, not your neck. All right, this is my side note. What he's describing here is a plow pose in yoga. So if you're a yogi, it's a plow pose. Two, back to the book. Stand upright, then bend over and try to touch the floor with your fingers or even your palms. The chin tucks in as you fold over and the head tilts back as you stand up. Exercise caution. Passively exhale on the way down and inhale into your stomach on the way up. Sort of push off your thighs with your belly. If you do it right, the intra-abdominal pressure when rising on inhalation will straighten out your spine like a hydraulic jack with minimal back stress. If you're not sure how to use your diaphragm or your health condition prohibits the standing toe touch, practice the drill sitting on the floor with your legs straight in front of you. Reach forward on a sigh of relief. Sit up as you inhale. All right. So side note on that. He's describing yogic breathing or anatomical breathing, which is generally the opposite of the way you would train while handling a load like a kettlebell. So as you fold over, he's having you exhale as an inhale on the up. Back to the book. Maximal amplitude arm circles. Turn your head left and right in sync with the arm and shoulder movements to get more done in less time. So what this looks like is just basically... A, a windmill, right? Like not a kettlebell windmill, but swinging your arms in big circles um, to the front of your body and then to the back. Um, I implement this drill in my mobility and balance routine before every single workout. So you want to go forward and you want to go back. And when you go back, when your hands get up toward the ceiling, you want to rotate your hands, your shoulders, you want to internally rotate your shoulders so that your palms face out or to the walls to your sides. All right, back to the book. Side bends. The palms slide along the trunk and legs. As one palm reaches down to the knee and beyond, the other palm is coming up to the armpit. Tilt your head from side to side and sink. Make sure not to twist. Move in one plane. Okay. So the way I like to train this is I like to grab my hands and release the index finger and point and reach up to the ceiling and then pressing down. So say if you're going to lean to the right, you press down through the left foot and make your body into kind of a C shape or a crescent moon shape, stretching the whole side of the body uh, on the left. 
And something to think about when you're doing this drill is to imagine you're in between two panes of glass. So you're just, you're moving completely laterally with your trunk, um, trying not to rotate in any way. Back to the book. Lift your elbow and reach over your shoulder with your hand, trying to touch the opposite shoulder blade. Tuck your chin in at the same time. Six, turn your torso clockwise and counterclockwise with a max ampl amplitude. Keep your arms, keep your straight arms in front of you, the palms facing forward and the fingers clasped. The arms move in sync with the torso and amplify its movement. The head rotates in sync as well. Make sure not to bounce at the limit of your rotation. Your spine would not care for it. Seven, stand straight. Alternately lift your knees to your stomach. Reach as high as you can. To make it tougher, hold a towel in front of your hips and bring your knee over it, back and forth, without bending over. As you get better, pull the slack out of the towel. Then start increasing the width of your grip on the taut towel so it gets higher off the ground and makes the drill even more challenging. Eight, push-ups on the floor or with your hands resting on a piece of furniture. Place the weight near the bases of your palms rather than closer to the fingers. If the traditional technique hurts your wrists, you have a couple of options. The yuppie choice is a set of push-up handles or a pair of hex-shaped dumbbells. The manly alternative is to do your push-ups the karate way on your knuckles. If you do not plan on kicking butt in the near future, you may do your push-ups on the full surfaces of the fist. Shame on you. But the proper martial arts knuckle push-up calls for resting your weight only on two knuckles of each fist, those of the index and middle fingers. You'll find that this technique will strengthen your wrists in a hurry. Uh, just side comment, um, I like uh, Pavel's uh, kind of comedy that he inserts in his books. He's always kind of like uh, challenging your, your manhood or your toughness. As he comes from a military background, and that's a very common um, kind of cultural humor in that, uh, in that specific culture. In Soviets, back to the book, in Soviet special forces, we knocked off knuckle push-ups on concrete. You'd be wiser to do yours on a surface that has some give. For instance, linoleum. Make sure the floor is clean. Dirt particles can do a number on your baby soft skin. The grip width is up to you. Keep your butt tucked under. This will make your push-ups look crisp and protect your, your back from sagging and hurting. Do not constrict your chest. Keep it wide open. The range of motion will be slightly reduced. The pecs will be pre-stretched for more power, and you're less likely to hurt your shoulders that way. Look straight ahead rather than down. Tension in the neck extensor muscles facilitates a stronger contraction of the elbow extensors. Synchronize your breathing with your movement. Failing to do so in an endurance event is the kiss of death. Under the circumstances, it is most natural to inhale on the way down and exhale on the way up. Imagine how your breath, or chi, flows out of your stomach into your arms. Do not underestimate the power of such visualization. There is plenty of evidence that the choice of a breathing pattern has a profound effect on muscular tension. All right, so there's a lot in that. He's talking about doing just good old push-ups. Um, he talks about doing knuckle push-ups 
on your first two knuckles. If you're in a striking sport, I think that's a that's a good practice, and it kind of teaches you how to stack your joints up and, and kind of teaches the body how strong it feels when your joints are stacked up. However, I don't recommend doing push-ups on your knuckles unless you are in a striking sport. Um, the way I like to train push-ups that I've found – um, is really good. Some things that I'm going to add in here that I actually got from another one of Pavel's books and some people I've trained with as well is so stack those wrists right under your shoulders, right? And then spread your fingers wide on each hand. This is going to help distribute the weight throughout the hand and wrist and not just on one or two points, which will eventually could cause problems and pain. All right. Now, if you're, as your fingers are spread wide, as you lower yourself down, you want to inhale and you want to imagine turning your hands out toward the walls to your sides. The hands will not actually move, all right? You're just like you're trying to open a jar on the floor that won't open. So you're just, you're just creating torque that's going to activate your lats and stabilize your shoulders. As you inhale and lower, as you're torquing your hands out, look forward. So don't look down at the floor. Actually look forward and up. This will actually make your push-up stronger. And then as you get to your depth and you start to push back up, then you'll exhale. Control the exhale. So don't just, you want to, you want to control it. All right. So you're creating tension in your abdomen. That's going to give you um, leverage is going to it's going to give you stability in the the pillar of your torso that you're leveraging off of with your arms right doing the push up. Number nine, back to the book, Roman chair sit ups. Sit on a sturdy stool, hook your feet under a couch, and do sit ups. Go down as low as your physical limitations allow. Come up, reaching forward towards your feet as far as you can. While Western specialists have been lamenting their dangers, Russians have been doing stretch sit-ups over a stool at home or over a, p- a pummel horse in the gym for decades and are not about to stop. Hyperlordosis, or an exaggerated arch of the lower back, is rampant in the United States. Short, tight hip flexors are, are the usual culprit. These psoas muscles originate in the small of your back and run through your stomach to insert in front of your thighs. When they shorten... They pull the lower back forward, thus increasing the arch and tilting the pelvis forward. This setup is unhealthy and unattractive. When a person with tight hip flexors, weak abs, and typically a bad back tries to do a stretch sit-up, especially without proper instructions, there could indeed be problems. Here is what you can do, following your doctor's permission, to make the Roman chair sit-up safer. First, carefully study the secrets of safer backbending printed below and follow them to the letter. And I will read that in a moment. Second, employ paradoxical breathing. Passively exhale on the way down and inhale as you fold back up. The opposite of what you would do in a yoga class. Uh, Side note, I think it depends on what yoga class you're in. Uh, There are two reasons for this madness. A passive exhalation will deepen muscle relaxation and easily increase your range of motion. I've explained how this works in relax into stretch. And inhaling as you're getting bent and constricted will increase the difficulty of the sit-up. 
you will score some training effect for the midsection and the respiratory muscles in the process of getting a flexible spine. Third, increase your depth very gradually within a workout and as weeks go by. Fourth, start your ascent from the lowest point by tucking your chin in, then roll up rather than sit up. The Roman chair sit-up sounds involved, doesn't it? Well, anything worth doing is worth doing right. Done by the book and with proper attention to details, the stretch sit-up can deliver great benefits to your back. Ignore the fine points and the naysayers' doomsday predictions will come true. 10. Squats while holding on to the back of a chair. Review the squat performance tips in the mobility training exercise section. And all 10 drills start with 10 repetitions a day and progress as explained in the text. So there's a little diagram of a guy um, basically sitting on his heels up on the balls of his feet with his knees out in front and the top of his thighs are parallel to the floor. So his knees are way over his toes, right? That's kind of a trend right now is knees over toes training because it kind of uh, fell out of favor for a number of decades and, and it's... If you don't use it, you lose it. So like our knees are meant to bend that way. You have to be very careful training that knees over toes position. However, it needs to be trained. Um, I train it, but I train it in uh, Bikram yoga class. So Bikram yoga class has 26 postures, two breathing exercises every single class. It's the same class every time, right? So... In that class, you do a number of balancing postures of what you come up on the toes and then you keep the spine straight as if you're on uh, up against the wall and then you slowly lower to where you're in this position that he shows in the book where the thighs are parallel to the floor, the knees are out over the toes, uh, you're up on the balls of your feet, the spine is nice and straight. And it's really good for strengthening your knees up. All right, so that's how I train that. Uh, secrets of safer backbending. This is a, a good little section here. If you literally bend back, your movement, your movement is limited to a couple of lumbar vertebrae. You distress this area and do not even get much range of motion out of it. A safer and more effective approach is to start by traction of the vertebrae. That is spine elongation. As you grow taller, it helps to inhale to maximally open up your chest. The shock-absorbing discs between the vertebrae and the spiky facet joints will get more room and therefore squeezed less as the spine extends. Once you have opened up your spine, it is time to bend it back. Instead of hinging it on your lumbar vertebrae alone, try to get some motion out of every segment of the spine from top to bottom. It helps to visualize that you are wrapping yourself around an imaginary ball. Excessive bending is one hazard. A strong pull of the hip flexors on the spine is another. These psoas muscles originate in the small of your back and run through your stomach to insert in front of your thighs. Spine hyperextension is frequently accompanied by hip extension. This action pulls on the strong and tight hip flexors. Unfortunately, instead of stretching, they usually tenaciously keep their length and pull hard on the lumbar spine to exaggerate the arch even further. Clenching your butt cheeks, I'm going to say it again, clenching your butt cheeks is the only way to deal with the hip flexors potentially damaging pull during backbending. 
your lower back will be supported by another set of guy wires countering the pull of the hip flexors. Besides, flexed glutes will semi-relax the psoas and further dampen their powerful pull. According to the neurological phenomenon of reciprocal inhibition, when a muscle is contracting, its antagonist, or the opposite number, relaxes to make the movement more efficient. Why press the gas and the brake pedals at the same time? The glutes are hip extensors. They oppose the hip flexors, which include the psoas. That is why it is generally advisable to flex your glutes during backbending exercises. Amosov emphasizes a maximal range of motion in his exercises. This is the simple, the key to the effectiveness of his youth restoring calisthenics. Other, even more complicated routines generally do not pay attention to this vital advice. How about those idiots who tell you not to do full squats? <laughs> that was Pavel, not me. Uh, rotating a joint through its anatomically complete range of motion or trying to approach that range of motion if the joint is damaged smooths out the joint surfaces and lubricates them. This contributes greatly to the joint's health. A full range of motion is gained or maintained. So, what's the difference between joint mobility and muscle flexibility training? Joint mobility is not the same thing as muscle flexibility. When doing mobility drills, you generally will not feel much of a stretch, which is fine. A muscle does not always have to be stretched to put a joint through its full range of motion. For example, you will achieve complete hip flexion if you stand upright and bring your knee towards your chest. Not much of a stretch, right? To stretch one of the muscles that oppose hip flexion, the hamstring, you will have to raise your leg with your knees straight or nearly straight. Unless you are a mutant, you will not succeed in touching your chest or stomach with your knee. Your ham will tighten up and, and stop you long before that. So muscle stretching will not deliver well-oiled joints. Your hinges need a distinctly different type of workout from your muscles. The academician differentiates three states of joint health. First is a 100% healthy joint, usually found in a young person. A person can lift his knees to his stomach and touch his buttocks with his heels. He can flex his spine so his head ends up between his knees and make a full circle with his arms. Superb joint range of motion is easily achieved at this stage, says Amosov. 20 reps per joint will suffice for prevention until you are 30, or so according to the academician. I like to simply match the reps with the trainee's age. The second stage usually hits by the time you are 40, give or take a few years. The joints already have salt deposits, and they speak up with aches and a limited range of motion. Not all the time, though. Sometimes symptoms disappear for years only to resurface again. When this happens, and even if it does not, but you hit 40, the man says the numbers must be cranked up to 50 to 100 per joint, especially for your spine. The third stage is when the joint aches almost constantly and actively interferes with your work and life. X-rays show changes, the most common being bone spurs growing between vertebrae. Bad posture, poor body mechanics at work and in the gym, and lack of joint movement are to blame. Surgeons who have, st surgeons who have to stand for hours over a table frequently suffer from bad backs, mentions Nikolay Amosov. 
The only way to prevent age-related joint problems is through exercise, states academician Amazov. If you have already hit the third stage, do 200 to 300 full range movements per damaged joint and 100 for the ones that are waiting for their turn. The academician urges you to ease into joint mobility training. Start with 10 movements and add 10 a week. An even more gradual schedule recommended by Amasov is to add five a week for the first month and then start adding 10 reps a week until the target number is reached. The academician's advice regarding the tempo of the range of motion drills surely rocks the boat. He does not care for slow-mo that looks like a soccer goal repeat on TV. Move fast, says the man, but not at the expense of the range of motion. And get some cardio benefits in the process, but make sure to slow down for the last 10 reps and really get a stretch. Amosov's aggressive technique may be too radical for many comrades. A more conservative approach to mobility training is to make slow circles with your joints, starting with small amplitude and working up to the joint's max range. That is the super joints prescription for all the exercises laid out in this book. Mobility drills are ideally performed every morning. You will not only do your joints a favor, but will get rid of stiffness as well. Relax and to stretch fans, do not expect that the ability to do a split will make you forever stiffness free. You should watch me get off a plane. You get rusty whenever your proprioceptors, the sensors that give your body information about its position in space, its speed of movement, etc., do not get any new input for a while. When nothing happens, your nervous system is not sure what to expect from the environment and tightens up your muscles, just in case. That's why you feel like the tin man in the morning or after any long period of inactivity. Movement wakes up your proprioceptors. The nervous system chills out and you limber up. Increased impulsation from the proprioceptors also tunes up the nervous system processes for the whole day. No wonder Amasov-style morning calisthenics are very popular in Russia and go by the name of Zaryadka, or a recharge. Okay, so that's all I'm going to read from this. This is a great book. Um, again, this is called Super Joints, Russian Longevity Secrets for Pain-Free Movement, Maximum Mobility, and Flexible Strength by Pavel Satsalin, Master of Sports. Uh, Pavel, despite his like kind of playful and and uh, a comic way of writing, he, you know, he he plays up the uh, um, the evil Soviet card where he, you know he mentioned he calls you comrade and and kind of challenges your manhood a little bit in the jokes. Despite all that, he's an expert. He's an expert. Um, and this book is really great because he gives you drills. He gives you pictures. He, he gives you the sources where he gets it from. There's practical advice. There's science in it. It's really easy to read. It's fun to read. It's small. It's a great book. Um, so I do a general uh, mobility and balance routine before any workout. And I do it with every client that I train to because I'm getting ready to demo movements with a kettlebell. So even though I may have warmed up at, you know, six o'clock this morning by 3 p.m. You know, if I've had some time, again, the proprioceptors and the nervous system starts to shut down and tighten up as he notes. So you have to do that routine again um, to kind of turn it on, right? And that prevents injury 
and it helps your joints and you're burning, you're burning extra energy and you're getting a little cardio workout. Um, so it, it's, it's really, really important to do that mobility and balance routine that I prescribe for workouts and also to not half acid. It is part of the workout. Um, and as I often preach to clients, um, you know, you might be dead ass tired. You might have in your head that you're not going to work out that day, even though it's scheduled. If you just simply do the mobility and balance routine that takes 10, 15 minutes, uh, you're, that's a victory. And even if you don't do the workout and you do this mobility and balance routine, because, you know, most people think that it's just warming up the body for the workout. It does that too. But in itself, it is beneficial to do, right? Because you're increasing your balance, which is one of the first things that you lose as you age. And you're keeping your joints healthy. You're restoring them to the health or you're keeping them healthy, right? Which also degrades with time and inactivity. So the mobility and the balance routine is huge. And the one that I've that I use is a conglomeration of drills from Pavel Superjoints and from let me see, some of the teachers that I've trained under who also are sort of Pavel disciples, uh, namely uh, John Wolf down at the Onnit Gym in Austin, Texas, as well as Marcus Martinez, um, who I believe is out in the Bay Area of California. But I trained under him in Austin as well. I think they contracted him out for that. Um, and the uh, if you have a mobility and balance routine um, – or you, you want to put one together and you don't have my, the one that I train, um, one thing to think about is try to hit every joint. Think about every joint in your body. You should be taking every joint through its full range of motion. So we're talking wrists, ankles, knees, hips, shoulders, neck, the whole spine, thoracic spine, lumbar spine, uh, toes, fingers, the whole thing. Um, let's see what else. So maybe if doing a systematic mobility routine every single morning is just something that's too rigid for you, I have an option that I like to use sometimes. I don't do it before working out, but I'll do it almost every morning and that's dancing, right? Put on some music. You're in your own home. Maybe you're cooking breakfast, maybe you're getting ready, and just move your body to the music. Just dance. Just, just move fluidly and flow, right? That's going to kind of turn everything on. Um, just the movement is good. It's good for you. Smile, you know. Let it, train that perspective of, of being happy and, and peaceful. Um, that's all I got for you today. Uh, I hope you got some benefit out of this podcast. I, uh, I enjoy doing, doing them. Um, I routinely look back over old books, old sources and, and read things and just brush up on knowledge. Um, and so it helps me to go ahead and try to package it as a podcast and maybe help somebody else. And if I can help you, well, then I think that that helps me. Um, that's all I got. May you be safe from harm. May your life Be filled with ease and joy. May you be free. Namaste.